0: The joy of knowing, the joy of knowing you, oh, the joy of knowing, the joy of knowing you, oh, the joy of knowing, the joy of knowing you. Welcome to Positively Joy. Are you living life but feel like something's missing? You've come to the right place. I'm Yvette Walker, your host for this podcast on finding the true meaning of God's joy Joy is not a feeling, it's faith. And my guests and I will talk about how to avoid falling down the rabbit hole of chasing physical or emotional joy. In this season, we'll tackle spiritual growth as we discover the true joy of the Lord. Whispering in His Ear, the devotional, explores talking and listening to God's message for us. Now, read God's voice and How to Listen a new companion study guide to the original devotional that provides discussion questions and more insight to the scripture that reveals how God talks to us. Get the series on Amazon. Hi, everyone. So what's hermeneutics? It's the branch of knowledge that deals with interpretation, especially of the Bible or literary texts. Today, Jonathan Drayton of the Truth of the Matter is podcast explains why Bible interpretation is important and will help your spiritual understanding. And we've got a bonus today. Before Jonathan, I'll take you straight to the Promise Keepers women's retreat I was on, and you'll hear from three women on the lessons of forgiveness. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Positively Joy podcast. And today we're doing something a little bit differently. Uh, I have had the wonderful opportunity of being on a Promise Keeper retreat, which is a wonderful gathering of Christian women. We meet usually twice a year in spring and fall. Uh, And this year or this session, we talked about forgiveness. And I asked three wonderful ladies to join me to talk a little bit about what we've learned from the weekend and about forgiveness. I think forgiveness is such an important topic. The name of this particular session was Falling into Forgiveness. And right now, it's the end of October. We're moving into November and the holidays. We're going to be thinking about gratitude and about the love of Christ. But really, can we totally even engage in that? if we have unforgiveness in our hearts. So it's a it's a certain certainly a great time to talk about this, and I want to take advantage of the time while I was here to talk to these ladies. So I'm just going to have them introduce themselves, uh, if you give us your name and what you do, um, and maybe why you decided to
1: come. Uh, I'm Lindsay, and I work at a bank, and I do, like, quality assurance. So I listen to people and make sure they're doing the right things. and. Saying the right things. I don't remember what else I was supposed and to. And why to. why did you come? <laughs> why did I come? Oh, because I need Jesus. Because because <laughs> the Lord forced me. I didn't have much of a choice. <laughs> a good answer. And He wanted to work on some things that I didn't want to work on. If <laughs> I'm being completely honest.
2: <laughs> so that's yeah, that's why I came. And thanks, I was, uh, thanks Lindsay. I'm Christy, and I have a home daycare, and I came because I came to the last retreat in the spring and felt God move and heal me in ways I had not experienced before. And any opportunity that I get and am able to grow closer to God, um, I jump all over that opportunity. So, okay.
3: I'm Gabby, and I'm a stay-at-home mom and homeschooler, and I came to get closer to God, to work on the forgiveness, and to get away. Retreat. It. Yes, it's very calming here. So, so Gabby's
0: selling herself short. She's actually one of the organizers, um, and it's wonderful. She has a gift of hospitality, really. Um, but the forgiveness piece of it is something that was really important to you as well, because you led one of the exercises. Um, you know, the one thing about these retreats are they are they are biblically biblically based. But one exercise we did on forgiveness. Um, involved some
3: felt and some hearts to symbolize forgiveness. Tell us about that. The felt heart symbolized, uh, the red symbolized Jesus' blood um, and that his um, blood is enough to cover what we can't forgive. So. Amen. And uh, there's a,
0: you know, we still, are, we still are working through the process, but there was an exercise of things that we wanted to forgive mm-hmm. and then we could put on the hearts. And tuck them, you know, tuck them into uh, like a little pocket of sorts. Mm-hmm.
3: And then they're taken care of. You don't have to worry about it.
0: That is a big thing we talked about. The fact that it is done. That once you make the decision to follow Christ, it is done. You don't have to worry about it. I really like that part
3: of the forgiveness exercise. It's letting go of that debt. But you still have to work through things. So it doesn't mean you're forgetting um, or condoning what, you know, if it's been done to you, mm-hmm. um, there's still work to be done. Unless it's a petty offense, then you just need to get over yourself and <laughs> and let go. Like, I love a couple of sayings we had this weekend. Get over yourself, fix yourself.
0: <laughs> no, get your life right. Get your life right, yes, 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 but always in, in Jesus. Well, so, I mean, and there's so many wonderful things we experienced this weekend, but, um, especially on the, on the um, topic of forgiveness, do you feel like you're taking away something with you? And if
1: so, what is that? For sure. I, I feel like I've learned a lot that forgiveness isn't about me. And it's not about my feelings and how someone made me feel at all. It's, and it's not really even about the offense that was done, if you will. It's about God and doing what he tells us to do because he essentially knows the outcome and the why, and he'll use it, but you have to move forward or you'll find yourself stuck. And when you're stuck in that, you can't grow. You can't move. You can't move. And this is a safe place to do that at. Mm-hmm. We're not on a,
3: on a tight schedule mm-hmm. for time limit. You're not like in a counselor's office for an hour. You have this whole weekend, mm-hmm. many resources to work through things. Yeah. And I think God expects it in the Lord's Prayer. It says, you know, forgive as you've been forgiven and he expects us to forgive. Mm -hmm. That's a foundation of one of the fundamental truths of our Christian belief. Absolutely. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, I feel like God calls us to love others and that I don't have the capacity in my mind and heart and spirit to love others. Well, if it's all trapped or there's not space with unforgiveness and um, I want to follow Jesus and he calls me to love others and to forgive others. And I have experienced the grace that God has given me in life. And if I'm to follow Jesus and be more like him, then I need to learn to show grace. And for me in a day, you know, in my day to day, that is showing grace for the petty things. You know, that's the step to forgiveness and if I'm practicing that daily and showing grace to people in my home to my family to the person that took my parking spot at Walmart then I have that foundation and I can grow from that and when it comes to those bigger things also being able to recognize that I may not be able to do it but God can God's bigger And God wants me to love others, and God wants me to forgive. And the Holy Spirit in me, like, I'm equipped with that. But I have to have that connection with God throughout the day to be able to do that. But I I can't love the people well in my life that God has put there and asked me to love them well if my heart is all cramped up with unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. And not only when I forgive, I have this freedom But I also have, I'm filled up with love, and then I'm overflowing, and then it spills on other people. Mm -hmm. If I have all this anger and resentment and unforgiveness in me, and I get filled up with it, there's a a limit, a capacity. And then all of a sudden that comes out in a negative way, Mm -hmm. and that's not how walking with Jesus is supposed to look to me.
0: Yeah. You know... I think there are some people who say, well, you know, as Christians, we have to do all this stuff. We're being told to do all this stuff, and we're being told to forgive people like it's a burden. But, oh, my goodness, it's so not a burden. It's freedom. It is. It's freedom. I think he's created this idea of forgiveness knowing that it will heal us. You know, one one of the things we talk about is you can be holding a grudge against someone, They're living their life, they don't even know how they've offended Mm -hmm. you, and all that's doing is hurting you. You know, whatever you're carrying inside you, if you let it go, it's for your benefit. It's not for their benefit at all. I mean, unless you do want to have a sit down and talk about that, which you could certainly do. But in many cases, you just need to let it go. Mm -hmm. And it will lift you in a way that is... You know, really unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And so it's not about, in this case, it's really not about doing something for somebody else. It's not a burden. Mm -hmm. It's really part of self care for yourself, which is another major theme of this weekend. Thank you so much, ladies, for sitting down with me here in the closet at the retreat (laughs) house (laughs) and and talking about forgiveness. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
4: Hi,
0: Jonathan. Thanks so much for being on the show today.
4: Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor.
0: Oh, well, good. I'm glad we've had a little bit of difficulty uh, scheduling, but I'm happy that we that we're able to talk tonight. Um, your podcast, which I was able to be on, uh, I really enjoyed that. The truth of the matter is, um, is a wide ranging podcast. But what something that you specialize in, and I want to get to today is the concept of hermeneutics. And we're going to define that. We're going to get to that a little bit um, because I think that a lot of people don't know what that is and they don't understand that in order to fully read the Bible and understand the Bible, it's helpful to understand you know what those original words meant and how to interpret. So we'll, yeah. we will get to that. Um, it's so interesting because You know, this all happens in God's time, and sometimes I will have guests, and I don't exactly know when the episodes are going to run. But I just spoke to a a pastor in Australia, just released the episode, um, Mm -hmm. who who is a Bible um, uh, teacher, and so I love the idea of being able to talk about the Bible. Uh, with people who understand it and help us understand it. So we're going to get to that in a minute. But I want to know why you do what you do. Tell me a little bit about your faith walk and uh, why all this is important to you.
4: Yeah, so the reason I do what I do, as you put it, is because at least for me, when I started going to college, I had this pursuit and this desire to seek for truth. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways in which I did that was I started studying Mm -hmm. philosophy. Right, so philosophy is the desire and the study for to seek wisdom. And for me, that was one of the key elements that I thought would be important. And I remember going through high school and seeing how much reverence and respect people have for those who majored in philosophy. That was something that was my aim and my goal. Another big thing is, at least for me, when it comes to my relationship with God, you know, it wasn't something that was personal for me. It was more where my beliefs and my values that were Instilled still to me were based off my parents' faith. So one of the things that I needed to do is I needed to identify and seek God out personally. And one of the ways that I did that is actually just through studying philosophy and seeing all these ideologies that came about. I started to come to come to this conclusion that these are a lot of great ideas, right? A lot of ideologies that are thrown out there, but how does this relate back to my faith, which how I was raised? And then I started to realize that some of these ideas were a little wonky. Some of these ideas are useful, but to me, they're not permanent, right? It doesn't put me in a place of security. Instead, it's an idea that I can be throwing around, but easily refuted. So when I started reflecting on realizing, well, my parents did say to read God's word, that's one of the ways you can draw closer to God. And I came across Matthew 7, 7, and I read this in the NLT, and it says, Keep on asking, you shall receive. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. And the key factor in there that I, I was able to unpack using my philosophical skills was this continuation and this desire not to stop at the first time, right? Mm, but to continue mm-hmm. to dive into that. And that's kind of what triggered it for me. So once I, there's a passage in the book of Luke, I believe it's chapter 21 or chapter 22, And it speaks about how Jesus is telling Peter that the devil seeks to have you. But he's telling him, and I'm paraphrasing here, over a period of time, you know, what you go through, not only will you be better for it, but you'll be able to equip others. So it was this philosophical aspect of it that made me realize that, okay, he went through something. And after he went through that something, he was equipped to better help not only believers, right, because they weren't believers at the time, right? But newfound mm-hmm. believers at the time, Christians. But there was something that changed. There was a period in time of testing, right? We see that in Luke four. We see that in Matthew four with Jesus being tested in the desert, right? And that's kind of what kind of you know ticked it off for of me. And I let me explain one thing: the Christian philosophy thing. I know a lot of people like you know those are kind of contradictory. I was I'm just always, gonna ask you, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, so. For me, when it comes to seeking knowledge and wisdom, that's one of the elements in Proverbs that we are to seek. But I seek it in the comfort and and the safety of God, the context of that. And another thing is I don't think that philosophy and Christianity are mutually exclusive or diametrically opposed. I think it's how you go about it, right? I think philosophers have this desire to seek wisdom and knowledge individually of everything else. But I really do think at its core, Christianity is full of morality. Problem is, you know, I, I can point to Thomas Jefferson. He's actually wrote his own Bible and he took out all the miracle aspects of it and kept the moral aspects of it, which means it was the center of how he thought, he moved, the operated, but he didn't like the aspects that, you know, called in for the supernatural. So that's kind of how I got started. And that desire for philosophy spilled over from wanting to get good grades to wanting to establish and build my relationship with God in a much more profound and justified way for myself. And also so I can share and talk to to other people, you know, not just in a way where you're hearing me, but you really listen to me because I'm so confident and and instilled in it. So that's kind of what I, that's the road that I went down and I'm glad that I did.
0: Mm. And, and is that also going a little bit into
4: apologetics? Well, the apologetics to me kind of stems away from Scripture. It's more into the arguments. Mm-hmm. For me, you know, arguments are fine and good. And I did an episode on that one time where it was God proven versus God revealed. So the apologetics is trying to prove God through argumentation. But God revealed is trying to understand God's purpose and desire for your life and for the world, but through Scripture. So I found that the revealing of scripture through the text made it much more profound for those that were seeking him Mm. versus if you're trying to understand God through an argumentation perspective is more rooted in the persuasion of ideas and theories and no brainers. If you're going from a much more perspective of logic, right? So that's the difference between the two. They also can cross reference, right? But the thing is, for me, there's something about God's word in Hebrews four twelve. It talks about how His word is sharper than any double edged sword that pierces the heart. So there's something about the word and what it does to the believer, the heart, that makes you reflect and want to change. To, to you know, to be more Christ like, versus being told persuasive and good words, and then as Jesus, you know, gave this whole breakdown of a farmer who went out to sow seed and some fell on solid ground, some fell on bushes and whatnot. And it talks about how the seed grew on solid ground. And then it talks about the different levels of believers and what it, what happened eventually to them. So it's like you get a peek of it, but you don't really get the true element of the revealing of Christ that really forces you to reflect on your own, life and choices and the condition that you are in, right? So there's a much more deeper and profound way that happens in the scriptures than being persuasive to a philosophical or psychological view or argumentations.
0: Mm, this is a perfect segue, I think, to talk, to move into the topic of hermeneutics. So first of all, tell us what that is.
4: So hermeneutics is a term that helps you break down what you're reading and put it in proper perspective, more like a guideline. So there's a hermeneus for history. There's a hermeneus for psychology, right? And it's to help you stay on this trajectory of being pointed in the right direction because, you know, when it comes to reading God's Word, you'll find that a lot of people cherry-pick verses Right. And if you Mm -hmm. cherry pick verses, you can create your own theology just based upon that. And when you don't understand the originality of the language and the worldview, you can get mixed up in some pretty dark stuff. Right. Where and I'll give you an example. So there's a group now out in society It's called the occult. Right. And the occult was founded in eighteen hundreds by a woman. Name is very complicated, but she's Russian. And what she does is she takes these different ideas from different religions—the four major religions: Hinduism, you know, Judaism, Buddhism, um, Buddhist—and I'm trying to remember what the fourth one is. Is it Christianity? Oh no, no, that was that wasn't part of the main four. But what is what she turned it into was instead of you know, so it's, it's a mixture of philosophy. All these. Oh, I think it's. It might come to me, but maybe later down the road, but it's too much information. But what it does, what she does is she morphs it into the it's not theology, but theophy. And what that does is you're trying to embrace the different walks of life and you're trying to create a one-world religion. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's like, you know, I, I can embrace this, I like this, and I I enjoy this, but you know what? It's God is so big. Why? try to put him in a box right why try to limit him, right and that's the beautiful thing about being able to identify and decipher and discern the differences right so that's like the big thing when it comes to the different beliefs and one of the scriptures that kind of debunks that when it comes to a biblical point of view is john 14 6 right is that you know the scripture that I believe it says is that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That's a powerful declaration. What that does is there is no one that's above Christ. The only way to God, to the Father, is through Christ. So there is no partnership. There is no relationship between one another, right? There's, there's so you mean, some people, you mean
0: relationship, partnership with the other religions? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: It, which means that there are forms of truth in them right? And I think we can all come to that conclusion, you know, because I've had conversations with people where they've spoken very positive about the experience that they've gone through and how it's taught them. But for me, searching truth, at least in its truest form, was understanding that it's not just a thing, but it has to be someone that fulfills that expectation of what truth really looks like. And that's how I stumbled and really embraced Jesus. Because in every aspect of it, I don't recall hearing any other belief system frown upon Jesus. In fact, they call him, you know, a great teacher. The only realization is they don't call him God, right? And that's the Mm -hmm. big discrepancy, which means, and it is interesting because Jesus doesn't acknowledge them, right? The only acknowledgement of gods in this world is from Paul. And he tells us in Corinthians that there are many lords in this world. There's many gods, but there's only one, you know, one that we that we actually submit to and acknowledge and appreciate and then in the gospel that you hear and it's from gospel uh, of 1st John. John tells us then that's one that you shouldn't follow suit or you know dabble in or, or t- touch about. So that's pretty much what hermeneutics does is it, it really gets you to understand that I'm going to read the Bible, let me read it in its proper context and its proper perspective and let me not be Led astray, so there's different elements of hermeneutics, right? So there's the worldview, right? The relatable times of the periods in which they lived. You'll read parables and you'll see the meaning and the point of view. That's why Jesus did a lot of parables about farming because of the period in time that they were in, right? He's not doing parables about technology and any. He's doing it based upon he's the language that he's speaking is much more relatable to the people that lived at that period in time, so they would understand what he said,
0: right? Right, The people of the day
4: yeah, so if you you over here talking about things that people have no idea what they're talking about, the one thing I can appreciate about Jesus is that when he spoke, he spoke with elegance, but he simplified it, right? Mm-hmm. So it was no sort of complication. Now there were times he spoke in other ways, and we'll get into it, right. But the whole purpose is is that one of the ways of the gospel understanding the gospel message is that it's simple. It's not complex. If it was complex, then why would the message even you know, go across airways into different parts of the world. And the complication would be, you know, how can I embrace something that I don't understand? So I think the gospel message has to be simple. The next thing that I think about is the purpose. Why was it written? Right? So you have at the beginning of every chapter in the Bible, every book in the Bible, there's an introduction, there's a background. Oh, who is it being written to? Why is it being written to? Right? And I think we there's some sort of confusion when it comes to this because when you read, let's say, how do I know that the book of Luke is to Gentiles? Because in the beginning, this talks about that. It talks mm-hmm. about Luke, the doctor, right? Who's decided to write, you know, a point of view to the Gentiles, right? It's very is now he's not saying that literally, but as you read the first portion of it, it's very clear. Right, so when you understand that, Then you know who the audience is, so you can't sit there and take a book, point to it, and then try to create a narrative about it if you don't know who the audience is. You know, when you read Isaiah, or you read Jeremiah, right? There's an introduction about who Jeremiah is. He's a prophet. God called him, right? He's knew him in his mother's womb. There's an understanding of it. now. How can I relate to you? Is that we all come from our mother's womb? So you is logically to. Come to the conclusion that because you come from your mother's womb, God knew you before you even existed, which means you were created in His eyes, but not, you know, actually come about the human, you know, the way that the body comes out as a child and goes through its transformations into a toddler and a child and an adult, et cetera, et cetera. So there's an understanding of that. Next is the theme, the main element of the text. Why is this have to be written? Then it's the audience. Who is it addressing? Right. Mm-hmm. Contact, then it's the context, the circumstances that create the setting and the necessary remarks So these things are extremely important and, and if you're reading it and you're not getting that Then you you got some problems Let's talk about translations just a minute Because yes. I think
0: that some translations will provide more introduction than others Like you're mm-hmm. talking about that introduction um, Like who's writing the, who's writing that introduction and how are we getting it? Um, Certainly there are clues in the scripture itself, like once the book begins, but sometimes there's also kind of a primer written for us by a Bible scholar, depending Mm -hmm. on the translation. And so I I think that, uh, you know, I think that maybe the translations in which I think that's why it's a good idea to read multiple translations so that you can get a little bit more.
4: Yeah, I, I actually go into that, you know, in my podcast a lot. Because here's the deal, right? If you if you're reading the King James Version, it says suffer the little children, right? I'm just mm-hmm. taking it. it's in the passage that actually says that. Or hate your mother, right? And you understand, you don't understand the old English. You actually believe that it's contradictory and it's kind of doing you know, why would Jesus be suffering the children? But when you look at it from different, and I'll tell you some of my favorite. English Standard Version is one of my favorite because it's it's more of a a a book in which people that are studying to be, you know, that are scholars, the English Standard Version is like a word-for-word translation to it, right? I like the NLT, the Living Translation, the New Living Translation. Why? It's the way in which how it's expressed. I love the Amplified Version. Now, the Amplified Version, what it does is it provides... A interpretation of it, but the the way it's written in the detailed portion of it, it gives you a much more understanding of it. Certain words that are used in each translation, what makes it beautiful is it gives you it gives more color to how you're understanding it. So I'll, I'll use an example, Luke chapter eleven verse twenty nine, and I remember this so boldly because it's so important to me. Jesus encounters a woman, a woman, and she says bless the woman that births you, right? And then Jesus Mm -hmm. says, no, bless is rather the one who hears my words and does what it says. The Amplified Version says, bless and happily favored are those who hear my words and continually observe it. You see how it's emphasizing the power of the message that's being brought about and what God is saying? Mm-hmm. and Jesus is emphasizing his word in the Amplified Version. But when you read it in the version I just provided, it might be the NIV, it's more of the things he says, right? And he's actually speaking in the context in which that would be later received on how the Bible came about. Because as we know, if anyone's had an old book, the writing, the words that he spoke were written and read. So you kind of pay a little closer to that. But mm-hmm. the way both of them are expressed, right? Or here's another one, right? In Hebrews, they say faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? But right. if you read it in maybe the NIV, it's more of the things hoped for. So if I bring it up for an example, right? Because it's interesting, Like, and and I go through this all the time. Before I even speak about a topic, I make sure I go through the ins and outs of how the translation Puts it because there might be one that's much more sensitive and received from the masses, right? Yeah, right. And you have to do that that way. And if you're looking to see the different translations, this Bible Hub, this Bible Gateway, yeah. right. This Blue Letter Bible, all these different things running through. Even the even the the the, the translation of the Greek, mm-hmm. you got to search that out too. Because I even did an episode trying to search out what meekness is. And then when I go and I look in the Greek, it's, it's the description of understanding that meekness is what they considered horses that fought in those war times. Mm. But it talks about the willingness to submit, but still remain strong and steady. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. when you when you really look at the stuff like that, you'll be amazed at one thing. And I know Peter, it talks about rock, that Peter's a rock. Mm-hmm. He's a, That's another translation for church. But when you look at it straight in your language and you stay on that, you miss the fruits of what's what's actually being said in the text. You never know, so that's one of the beautiful things about going through, and and searching and reading, and getting a better understanding of what's being said. Because I you agree, never
0: I agree, and and because translations can be so personal. So when I wrote my devotional, I was trying to decide which translation to use. Um, and I ended up using three for the, the primary verses. I translated it into mm-hmm. three. I, I, I said, okay, because I was you know trying to get an idea from the people uh, who were in my group online. So I ended mm-hmm. up going with the ESV, the NIV, and the NVLA, yeah. which is a Spanish translation. Uh, because yeah. it is, people get very connected to that. But if you mm-hmm. are able to to take a look, a wider look, like you say, you know, you will, I loved it when you, you know, you described it as, you know, just sweet and beautiful the, the, and richer, richer yeah. it, that you might not get if you just read the one translation.
4: Yeah. Now, so the NIV for Hebrews 1 is now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. You see, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's still it, it, and and sometimes people appreciate it and and how it is written in one way because they receive it better. Yeah. So why not have multiple ways of the same verse and still understand it? And there's some words that are much more deeper in a f- profound receiving end for you and for others, it's not. So I've learned to do that. So I guess you wanted me to get back to, the. I think I was breaking down the different portions of Herman Newick's. So this is one of my favorites. It's supportive text. And one of the reasons why I like supportive text is because... I think scripture sometimes has to interpret scripture.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So if
4: I bring up one scripture, right? So I, let me think of one. Okay. In the book of James, it says, Computer, you know, consider it pure joy when you face trials and tribulations, to know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish this work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If anyone lacks anything, let them ask God who gives generous without finding for. So that text is talking about suffering. Now, mm-hmm. if I go to Romans chapter 3, I think it's chapter five, verse three through five. It says rejoicing your suffering. So there's a supported text that's talking about suffering. Mm -hmm. And it says rejoicing your suffering because then your suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope because hope does not put us to shame because the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us. So those are two texts that support one another. Two different writers that are writing about the same thing. And then it helps bring about the importance of what's being stated so that, you don't get frustrated. Another supported text is Jesus said, you know, he said, be a good cheer for I've overcome the world. He said, in this life, you will face tribulation. Mm-hmm. You, will face, you will face retribution. That's another form of it. But he's telling you in response, be a good cheer for I've overcome the world. So he's letting you know that in life, things are not going to be easy. You have to bear, you have to carry your own cross, but understand there's an important element of that experience that you have to go through. And that supports what I was telling you earlier about what happened to Peter? Jesus said, don't worry, you're going to go through these things, but I pray for you. Yeah. That your faith, fail you not. Right? Yeah, that's right. So that's, that's how when you read one text and you see something that pops up, and then immediately you'll read something in another text and it pops up. And it's two different writers. I believe all scriptures, Holy Spirit breathed upon. And it is, it is empowering you and is inspiring you and it is motivating you to really hold in the essence on how powerful and timely Scripture can be in your moments and times of weakness and in trials and tribulations that you're facing.
0: So right. you just, yeah, you just mentioned um, there's so many opportunities to use online text, but do you like to have a physical paper Bible to read?
4: Well, not necessarily. So one of the things that got me into really holding in on scripture is an audio Bible. Mm -hmm. I used to drive around when I did food delivery for DoorDash, Caviar, Postmates. And this is like towards the end of my college. You know, I graduated college. I used to drive around. And one of the things that inspired me was in Romans. It says faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. So I came to this realization that, hey, maybe I can consume and remember verses just based upon hearing it and letting it settle in my spirit. So that's one thing that I did. And then I started reading just one translation. I started with the NIV. And then that's when it became much more clearer to me that I needed to venture off. Once I started getting a better understanding of the basic stories in the Bible, then I ventured off a little bit. So for me, it was the audio Bible. Then it turned into the app, started using an app Mm -hmm. that worked for me.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like you say, it is so easy to use. I I like to use Bible Gateway because, again, Mm -hmm. just the interface is very easy. Yeah. Um, so, so I it, think
4: to there's two, there's three more and I run past it. The original oh yeah. language, we just spoke about the translations of the yeah. Bible, you know, digging deeper into and being analytical about what certain words really mean, uh, certain, you know, portions of what it's really saying. Prejudice, right? That comes in. And most mm-hmm. important thing that I'm learning is grammar. You know how important grammar is with the comma? That's very important because you'll read something and you never read the first You never read the before and after. You misinterpret the whole text. Mm -hmm. You miss the whole thing, right? And there's the the before and after, and the comma, and the pauses, and the semicolon. That stuff is very important with what the writer is saying. So if you miss that and you interpret and you read something and you don't read the rest, you might have missed what the writer was saying, right? Mm -hmm. So that's something that I've always learned to do: read the before and after to understand what is being stated. Who is the person being addressed? Is this goal for me? Or did he mean this in past tense, in the future tense? Well, that's very important. So those are what I would call. And then I'll mention that the Bible is full of poetry, hyperbole, symbolism, allegories, and metaphors. So sometimes it's like, should I take this text literally? When Jesus said, you know, cut your arm off so you don't let you know what your right hand is doing. Do I really cut my arm off my, and know what my left hand or my right hand is doing? Or does he say, you know, uh, when he says you you look at someone what he said don't look at someone a plank in your what a what a speck of do- sawdust in somebody's eyes and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye remove the plank out of your own eye to see clearly to remove the speck of sawdust out of somebody's eyes he's speaking he's speaking symbolically mm-hmm. about not being able to visually see so when you read that stuff Jesus is not saying cut your arm off take your eye out you know those sort of things but he's speaking in a way symbolically so you can understand that he's trying to emphasize the importance of the way that you're carrying yourself or the way you're handling something. And maybe you got to dig a little bit deeper. Well, he's talking about the difference between light and dark and understanding what Matthew 5 says when it speaks about that, let your light shine before others so that they may glorify your father in heaven. Are we lights in the world? Absolutely. We're representations of Christ and ambassadors of Christ. So you really start to get the hang of it when you start seeing these things and how they said poetically and how they say how they're said in certain ways. It, it really you really start to draw closer to it and it, it, it makes it much more exciting and, and fun that way. So
0: well, you know, Jonathan, thank you so much. This has been, uh, this has been a wonderful, I said we were only going to go 30 minutes. We went longer because you're so uh, interesting. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I was like, I know this is, this is a little bit over. I started okay. to feel that. I was like, no, sorry. That's okay.
0: No, yeah. this is, this is really interesting. Thank okay. you so much. I think that there are people who, you know, they want to get in the Bible, but they don't know yeah. how. So thank you for um, kind of breaking it down, uh, maybe encouraging them. I love what you said. There's a, there's a, There's a place for everybody, you know, there's a story for everybody in the Bible Mm -hmm. to to at least start with and then begin to expand. Mm
4: -hmm. So if I may, there's one thing I might say that I might help. Like I think we live our lives on levels Mm -hmm. and we arrive in stages. So the quality of your thinking can determine the quality of your life. So as long as you understand whatever stage you're on, you'll get there to where you need to be. Like don't don't suffocate yourself or feel that you're not taking a step forward. I think any step forward is a step that's necessary and important to where you need to be. So yeah.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, certainly uh the truth of the matter. I'm sorry, the is it the truth of the matter is yes. Yes. Podcast. I always want to, I'm gonna live but leave off that word is. The truth of the matter is podcast, um, can be can be heard wherever you go for podcasts. Um, and and Jonathan does, you know, as you heard him say, you know, talk about a lot of different um uh implicate not implications but um inferences that you can find you know when you're reading the bible he goes through several different subjects and so um encourage everyone to listen to his podcast um write in maybe you know if you have some questions or ideas you can uh contact him uh on his website and well, i just want to... i have
4: an wanna... ig's the truth of it's called the truth of tims the truth of t IMS, And then I think I'm a believer is on Facebook. You, That's a group that we have. We try to encourage each other. But yeah.
0: Very good. Very good. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Have a blast. Thank you for listening to Positively Joy. Go to PositivelyJoy.com to hear previous episodes and to learn more about our ministry and books support positively joy by becoming a patreon member and sign up for our newsletter thanks to Mars Coleman for the use of his song the joy of knowing and thanks to Susan Marie for editing and production of the podcast till next week all oh, the joy of knowing the joy of knowing you all oh, the joy of knowing the joy of